the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us tonight. The difficult times we live in begs the question, where is God during our most challenging times? We believe the more the world becomes chaotic, the more we need to draw closer to God and learn to trust in Him. The Bible is our source for all things that sustain us as Christians. Philippians 4.7 tells us that we can have the kind of peace that transcends all understanding, even when the world seems to be completely out of control. Over the next 30 minutes, Pastor Dudley Rutherford is going to share a message meant for everyone listening right now. We know it is no accident you are with us tonight, for God orchestrates all things perfectly. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the very last chapter of the book of Nehemiah. We've been studying through this book, and there's 13 chapters, and today we come to the final message. And uh, I'm, I'm trusting that you've enjoyed this series. Amen? You've enjoyed this series. Now, before I get started, I have one thing to mention. My, I have two brothers. Most of you know my youngest brother. Uh, his name is David, and David preaches up in Fresno, California. And my dad, uh, when he was living, he was working with my brother for the last 20-plus years up there in Fresno. And David has preached uh, for us several times here. But I have another brother that most of you have never met. And uh, his name is Dean, or Dino, and he's the one uh, that has been battling bone marrow cancer for the last two or three years, and he's doing great. But my brother Dean is a chaplain in the Arizona State Prison in Stafford, Arizona, which is in the middle of nowhere. And... uh, he works at what's called the Graham unit inside the Arizona State Prison, and he's the chaplain there. And this week, my brother told me that the inmates there have been attending chapel, those who attend chapel, they have watched every one of the Nehemiah sermons. And he told me this as we go into this last message, I said, Dino, I want to give those guys a shout out in church because they'll be watching this. And uh, there's several guys. There's a guy in there named Troy who uh, got in trouble when he was younger and he's really turned his life around. And Troy has actually written me a letter uh, from prison and I've, of course, written him back and stayed in touch with him. There's a guy in there named Dabs. There's a guy in there named Christian. There's another man. He's Native American and they, and they they call him uh, the doctor, and I don't know why, except maybe he's in charge of everything, but I want to give a shout out to the doctor and to my brother and to all the inmates who are watching here today. I want to thank those guys. 
The book of Nehemiah would have been one of the greatest stories that have ever been told if it had ended at the end of chapter 12. The first 12 chapters of this book read like a Hollywood script. After 130, 150 years after Jerusalem had been destroyed, a Jewish slave who had never been to Jerusalem, but he had been born and raised in exile, rises to become a cupbearer for a heathen king of a heathen empire a thousand miles away. And one day this cupbearer, Nehemiah, He hears a report about how the walls back in Jerusalem are still lying in ruin after 130, 150 years, and how the people are so discouraged. Nehemiah has enough courage to ask the heathen king, Artaxerxes, for permissions and for passports and for for provisions to return to Jerusalem. Favor is granted. Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem, never been there before. First thing that he does is he surveys the walls and then he organizes the people. And then the the story is that in 52 days, while facing strong opposition, he rebuilds those walls. The doors and the gates are set in place. The people return. They're overjoyed. God's word is brought forth. The people rejoice. They renew their vows, their covenant to the Lord God. The temple is restored. People renew their vows, and at the end of chapter 12, it ends with a time of worship. There are choirs walking on top of those walls, and the people are singing and celebrating and rejoicing. And we finished chapter 12 last week in verse 43, where it says that the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far, far away. That's how the story should have ended. But sadly, there's a 13th chapter. Now, how many of you know about the, thir- the number 13? It's like some people think it's an unlucky number. How many of you ever heard that? Well, in this story, the number 13 is not unlucky. The number 13 is sad. I'm going to tell you uh, what happens. I'm not going to go through the details of this 13th chapter. I'm going to give you a bird's eye view. I'll give you an outline, you can look at it, and then I want you to read it on your own time and go through all the details. But if you go back to chapters 9 and 10, the people living there in those walls made four vows or promises to God. This was back in chapters 9 and 10. How many of you would raise your hand to say at some point in your life you've made a promise to God of some sort? You made a vow to God of some sort. We've all done that. Well, back in chapters 9 and 10, I want you to write them all down. Just write them down at once. The people of God had made these four promises. One, they pledged to submit to God's Word. That was the first thing they promised, to submit to this book. The second thing they made a vow was that they promised that they would live separate from the world, which is what we've all been called to do as Christians. We're to be different than the world. Can someone say amen? Amen. The third promise they made was to keep the Sabbath, which is a big part of the Old Testament, to keep the Sabbath. And the fourth thing that they had agreed to was to support God's work. And of all of these vows, they are all good, they are all righteous, they are all pure, they are all loving, they were the right thing for them to do. And what happens as far as the timeline goes, 
In chapters 9 and 10, the walls are rebuilt. They make these vows to an almighty God. In chapter 11, it tells you all the people that were there. The remnant is still intact. And then chapter 12, they have this worship service, which should have been the end of the story. They should have lived happily ever after. But something happens at the end of chapter 12. Nehemiah goes back to Persia. Everybody say, see you later, Nehemiah. Say that. Come on. (laughs) Say, see you later, Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes back to Persia. Now, if you remember, if you've been with us in chapter 2, when he had the courage to go to King Artaxerxes and ask for permission to go to Jerusalem and do all this, in chapter 2, verse 6, King Artaxerxes asked Nehemiah two questions. He said, how long will it take you and when will you be back? That was back in chapter 2. Well, after all the, the, uh, the walls are completed and the people are all there and they've all made vows and they've recommitted their lives to God, and after the worship service, Nehemiah, he keeps his promise to King Artaxerxes and he goes back to Persia. He's there for about 12 years. And while he's gone, and oh, it hurts me to tell you this, in 12 short years, while Nehemiah's in Persia, the people living in Judah, they backslide. They break all four of those commandments. Those promises, those vows. And as you go through the 13th chapter, which we're not going to read. I'm going to let you do that on your own time. You can look at this list that I've given you. You can check them off one at a time. Check, 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 check. They break all four of these vows. They do not keep a single one of those four vows. So go back up to that box where they're all four listed. Forsake, they forsook God's word. If you remember back in chapter 8, the first time they brought the Bible, remember I stood up on that box and the guy, he just opened up, when he just opened it, everybody stood. And for six hours, from six o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock noon, they prayed and they worshiped and they shouted amen and amen and they raised their hands and they wept. You remember that? That was in chapter 8. And here we are in chapter 13. Now they're already ignoring it. They're disobeying it. Cutting corners left and right. They have lost their reverence for the Word of God by the time you get to chapter 13. Then they made these vows to live separately from the world. You remember the three troublemakers through the whole book, Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. They fought. The enemies of God fought. Nehemiah at every turn of this process. You remember those three guys? Well, by the time you get to chapter 13, one of those three guys, Tobiah, they actually let Tobiah, who was one of the enemies of God, set up a little apartment inside God's holy temple. And also in chapter 13, we find that they're intermarrying with the Ashdodites and the Ammonites and the Moabites, and God's people were to be set apart. They were not supposed to intermarry with people who did not believe in God. Then thirdly, they secularized the Sabbath. There's a long discourse in chapter 13 how the Sabbath was being violated. The Sabbath was important to keep because it, of course, belonged to the Lord, Nehemiah, if you read Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 18, 
he explains to the people that had broken the Sabbath, he said that was one of the reasons why you were carried off into exile to begin with is because you did not keep the Sabbath. And then fourthly, they failed in their responsibilities to bring in their tithes and their offerings. And again, that's common sense that God's people are the ones who are supposed to support God's work. I've asked you this question. If God's people do not support God's work, who's going to support God's work? And the answer is nobody. So in chapter 13, in summary, Nehemiah is granted permission a second time to return to Jerusalem, and he makes that trek from Persia to Judah to fix these four problems. That's chapter 13 in a nutshell, and that's the entire story of the book of Nehemiah. Now, having studied all that for the last three months, I want us to take our our remaining time and look back at some of the most important lessons that we have learned looking back over this story in review. Are you with me? Here's the first lesson when I read the book of Nehemiah. Write this down. That ordinary people can do extraordinary things with God's blessing. Oh, that's a lesson when I read this story of this man. Nehemiah was a normal guy. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't some famous person. He was a slave. He was being held against his will. But he had a dream, and he had a burden, and he had a thing called faith. Yes, he took some risk. Yes, he dreamed the impossible. But at the end of the day, he was a normal person, just like you and me. God can and will do great things through ordinary people like us. Can someone say amen? Even a simple person can be used mightily of God if you have a dream, if you believe, if you trust, if you walk in faith. Don't ever limit what a limitless God can do through you. The Bible says in Matthew 19, verse 26, that with God all things are possible. You know, we've looked at one story. Nehemiah is one story in the entire Bible. And the Bible cover to cover is a story after story after story. Oh, here's Nehemiah's story. And there's another story of another person in the Bible over and over again of simple people that God used to do some great things. You remember he used a teenage, just a teenage boy by the name of David to slay a giant by the name of Goliath. Well, God used an 80-year-old man. He's 80 years old. His name is Moses. He was 80. And Moses had a record, just so you know. But God used him to deliver 1.5 million Hebrew slaves out of Egypt into the land of Israel. Why, he used a backslidden sinner by the name of Jonah to lead a great revival in a city called Nineveh, which was one of the largest cities of that day. He used some illiterate fishermen to build his church that still exists today after 2,000 years. And God chose a peasant girl by the name of Mary to be the mother of his one and only son. Oh, I say to you, don't ever limit what God can and will do through anyone that is fully devoted to God. Can someone say amen? Number two, number two. Here's a second lesson I've learned for each of us. We all need to become people of prayer. This whole story is bathed in prayer. Every time you turn around, Nehemiah is praying. 
He prays in chapter one. He prays in chapter two. He prays in chapter four. He prays in chapter five. He prays in chapter six. He prays in chapter nine. And if you read through chapter 13, he prays several times in chapter 13. Prayer is what brings God into the equation of whatever it is you're dealing with. Prayer uh, brings focus to whatever it is that you are burdened about. Prayer is what unlocks the power of Almighty God. Prayer, in essence, keeps your heart pure and moldable. Prayer is teaming up with God. Prayer is the difference between you being successful and failing. Become a person of prayer like Nehemiah. Even at the very end of this book, in chapter 13, the very last chapter and the very last verse and the very last line of Nehemiah, chapter 13, he prays a prayer. He says, remember me with favor, O my God, reminding all of us that no matter how great the task or how small the task, that everything we do, we should bathe it in prayer. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Here's the third lesson I've learned as I've read through this book, is we need to understand it is God's kingdom, but we are all the worker bees. Oh, God's kingdom is so vast. God's kingdom is global. We, We really get so wrapped up in what's going on in our little world, but did you know that God's kingdom is all around this globe? But it functions, God's kingdom functions by all of us simple folk using whatever gift God has instilled in us. And as I've read through this book, the lesson is clear that we are to climb up on that wall shoulder to shoulder and just be faithful to that which God has called you. Faithful, 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 faithful. I love chapter 3 that, tell, that told us all of the worker bees, all the people that stood up on that wall. And it says, and this guy stood next to this guy, and next to him was this person, and next to him was this person. And it lists all the worker bees. And I love, remember the guy in Nehemiah 3 verse 20, his name was Baruch, and he was the son of Zabbi, who zealously did his fair share Oh, when I read that verse, I say, God, give us 10,000 Baruchs here at Shepherd Church. That's what we need. Oh, this is God's kingdom. This is God's church. There's plenty of opposition trying to keep us shut down. The question is, what is your role? What has God called you to do? What area of the church are you serving? What gifts have God put inside of you Where are the worker bees? And we need to get to working. Can someone say amen? (laughs) Number four, number four. Here's what I I learned when I read through Nehemiah is that anybody can quit. Anybody can quit. But joy comes to those who endure. We went through that entire book And time and time again, Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem tried to stop the work of God. And I love that text. I'll never forget it back in in chapter 6 where four times those three guys said to Nehemiah, come down off that wall. And every time Nehemiah responded the same, I am doing a good work. I cannot come down. 
That's the way we all need to be. There's an old adage, you might have heard it, that trouble comes in groups of three. You ever heard that line? Something bad happens, we go, "Mm, that's one. Something else bad happens, we go, oh, that's twice. And we know that that shoe is going to drop for the third time because trouble comes in groups of three. Well, I don't know if that's true or not, but there's only one number three that I'm concerned about, and that's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I know as a believer that there's nothing that can derail me, there is nothing that can discourage me, there is nothing that can depress me if I am fully living out every moment of every day knowing that Jesus Christ lives inside of me. Because if God is for you, who can stand against you? I will never, ever, you'll never hear me tell you that it's easy to serve the Lord. That it's easy to be a Christian. The Bible tells us just the opposite. That if you make a decision to serve the Lord, that it will be difficult. And it might cost you your family. It might cost you your job. And it might even cost you your life. But ultimately... It will be worth it. So stay faithful to the Lord, to whatever he's called you to do. Carry on that good work. God will never leave you or forsake you. Quitting is easy. Anybody can quit. Anybody, it's all, I can't tell you how many people over the years, as I've been here, how many people I've seen who've got upset at something and quit and went somewhere else, not knowing themselves that wherever they go, there's going to be problems there. They're just going to quit and go someplace else. But hanging in there when things get tough and not quitting is where the blessing happens. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every night here on KKLA. We exist only by our faithful partners, who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message tonight has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Deep in the heart of every believer, there's a faint whisper, a call, a prompting. We go about our business and we hear it. We see and interact with lost people every day, and the whisper echoes again for us to share our faith and tell others about Jesus. And yet, we still resist. In his latest book, Compelled, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shares his earnest desire for each and every believer to be equipped with the good news of salvation. He encourages you with inspiring stories of men and women, young and old, who have accepted the irresistible call to share Jesus with everyone they meet. And he provides practical methods to overcome your fears and effectively articulate the message of salvation. Thousands of readers have already taken advantage of this incredible book, and now it's here for you. Compelled, 
the irresistible call to share your faith can be yours right now for a gift of $15 or more to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as easy as calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get compelled the irresistible call to share your faith on our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover for yourself the strength that awaits inside you to speak boldly to others of how Jesus Christ has changed your life forever. Don't hesitate. Call us right now and get your copy of Pastor Dudley's latest book, Compelled, The Irresistible Call to Share Your Faith, today. I'm Kyle Welch, thanking you for joining us. We'll be back again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.